On this episode of Invested in Connecting Women, I identified very quickly that women were underrepresented and underserved in our industry, and they're actually really great investors. Camille York is a financial advisor with Raymond James. She's a trailblazer in the industry, shares a practice with Jody Clark called Clark and York Wealth Partners, and she is a recent recipient of Investment News Rising Star in Excellence in Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And I like to read the definition of rising stars here. Rising stars might be in the early stages of their career, but they show exceptional promise in what they have already contributed to the success of diversity of the profession. I met Camille a few years ago in Tampa, and I'm so thankful for that. I knew that the moment we started talking that I wanted to know more. I knew I wanted to follow her journey and stay connected in her life. I always left our conversations feeling full and inspired, and frankly, I felt like we could change the world. I'm your host, Olivia Hales, and this is Invested in Connecting Women. honored to have you with us today, Camille, because even though a few years have passed since we've seen each other in person, um, I just feel like so much has been accomplished. And it's almost like we were these little schoolgirls on the playground talking about all the, the world could be. And, and now here you are being recognized by the industry on a national level, just completely blowing me away. So I'm so excited for you to share your story because we both love the financial services industry, advancing women in the business and helping those who might otherwise just not know where to go for advice. And our conversations were great because they weren't, men are the worst, how are we gonna get by? How do we navigate? It was like, no, we want women to be more involved. We wanna succeed together. We wanna lift everybody up. We wanna involve communities that aren't well served by our industry. Like myself, I think that when someone pushes you down, it just inspires you to jump 10 times higher. And I think your journey is just, an absolute show of that, right? Combined with a lot of hard work, a lot of determination and perseverance has led you to where you are today. So with that, welcome Camille York. Thank you so much, Olivia. Wow, what an intro. Um, I, I do remember when we met and just to echo your sentiments, just having this sense of, I wanna stay connected to you because you are just such a breath of fresh air and to meet another woman who's in the industry that's passionate about moving the industry forward. Um, I'm so glad that we did uh, stay connected and that we were intentional about that. Um, so I was born and raised in Pinellas Park, Florida, which is right outside of the Tampa Bay, right outside of Tampa. It's in the Tampa Bay area. Um, we say over the bridge. So I would say hello right over the bridge and everybody local knows what bridge that is. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but finance was actually never my thing. Uh, and I don't know if I shared this with you, but I always love broadcast journalism. So I'm super excited to be here on this podcast because <laughs> I've loved all things mass communications um, since probably about middle school. Um, and so I changed course in college. I, instead of telecommunications, I started majoring in public relations. But then I got my master's in business management and I took a finance class and I loved it. Um, and I would nerd out using my financial calculator and it just still, so funny, never really registered. Like, hey, maybe this is an area that you should look into. And my dad has always been in the financial industry too. Um, but still, like, didn't, bells did not go off whatsoever um, until I started working at the credit union 
right after graduation, and I was working in the marketing department of the credit union. So still thought, you know, all things marketing, communications, all that jazz. Um, but it was through my work at the credit union that I really developed a love and a passion for the financial industry. Um, and then discovering financial planning through my time there as well, I found my path. I love that. And I, you know, for same thing for me, finance was never in the cards. I was like, mm, until my senior year when I started interning and then was like, wait a second, what is this whole entire world I know nothing about? And you're telling me that my parents could have saved this much money if we had done a 529 and, and this and, you know, just started there and snowballed. Yep. However, I hate my financial calculator. So... <laughs> We do not. We do not share that. I hate. I, there's nothing more that I hate. I'm staring at mine on my desk right now because I'm I'm doing my CFP and it's yeah, it's too much. So, uh, good for you on that. So, um, so I want to unpack this a little bit more. Okay, your time at the credit union because something that you've told me that you did I think is so unique. Probably about the time that we were in college. I think we're about the same age. So yeah. when we were in college, you know, maybe masters, um, food trucks were just becoming a thing. Right. They oh, were yeah. like, hey, meet meet out Friday night at the food trucks. And you're just kind of figuring out what that was. Um, I loved going to food trucks and explore. However, you took a special spin on what a food truck could mean or what you could do with what looked like a food truck. So I want to hear more about that experience because I think this really highlights a lot of your creativity and when you really you know, started to develop an interest in the business and, and how you went about that. Sure. So what? My first role was, um, it was called a youth outreach specialist. And so what that looked like is we were building out our collegiate program for financial literacy. And so being a recent graduate, you know, I kind of had this fresh perspective on like what's cool, what's in. It's funny, actually, my first college roommate, she and her mom own and operate a food truck now. And they were actually one of our vendors when I was working at the credit union. So wild full circle food trucks were definitely a thing at that time. Um, and they still are a little bit, but I know it was like all the craze back then. And so we're like, how do we connect um, with collegiate students, what are they into? What do they like? And so we thought, let's do a food truck, but we're not serving food. We're serving up financial literacy. So that was the play on it. Um, we, the term we use or the slogan was feed your wallet. And so there was an ATM on the backs. I, I literally, so I went to Lazy Days RV to learn how to drive the food truck. Um, that was an experience <laughs> in itself. <laughs> You know, I'm pulling up on campus and you see this petite little girl just hopping down off this food truck. <laughs> it's like, it was wild. Um, but it was so much fun designing the food truck one uh, because that was a project in itself, but really just coming, seeing it come to fruition and having students meet with me one-on-one -on -one to talk about budgeting, talk about credit repair, talk about setting those financial goals. Just like you, like I started learning about different products and services at the credit union. And I'm like, why did I never know this? You know, I'm like, mom, are you aware? And I <laughs> called her about a money market account. I was like, did you know? And she did, but it was, <laughs> it was never a conversation that we had, right? And so I'm like, if I don't know how many other people don't know um, and, and how much, you know, financial literacy can I help provide them so that they can go back and, you know, share that with their friends and their family and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that was just a really great project that I worked on. But meeting with the students one-on-one -on -one is what really started that intrigue with, okay, what could this look like as a career? Is there a career, you know, where I can do this full-time mm -hmm. all day, every day? And that's when I first learned about um, wealth management and then uh really shadowed that department, jumped over there, 
assisted um, two financial advisors for a period of time. And through my work in assisting, that's when I really gravitated toward working with women. Um, I identified very quickly that women were underrepresented and underserved in our industry. And they're actually really great investors. They just shy away from it because, you know, of a lack of knowledge or lack of confidence. And so I'm like, I want to do something before they get to this point. Um, the advisor I was working with, he had an aging book. So we had a lot of widows that we were inheriting. Um, and so I'm like, I don't, I don't want to wait until we get to this point, right? So at this point, now they're scared. They've had this huge life transition. They don't know what assets they have, how they work. And I'm like, there has to be something that comes before this, right? Like we've got to get them engaged before they get to this point. Um, and mm-hmm. so, of course, like you see a problem, fix a problem. So like, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. Let me just throw myself into the business and become an advisor. And that's literally what I did. I love that. And I, I think it's, you know, I've, I've talked at nauseum of how I think there needs to be curriculum in, in high schools and like a almost a if you're going to college, here's a prep kit of everything you need, credit score, um, protecting yourself from identity theft, you know, building credit, budgeting, how to really think about, you know, investing and, and where to start. I get that question from a lot of young females all the time is like, well, where do I start? Yeah. You know, I'm not making money yet. I'm on a either student loan budget or parents are giving me a, you know, whatever the situation may be. So I don't really, that's not for me yet. But, you know, I think what you were able to do with your food truck um, is have those conversations and really make people interested in what you were doing, uh, which I think is is just fabulous because if you can start there, yeah. right, then you're, you're, you're getting people early on exactly. and not getting these women who are, you know, age 50 plus and maybe widowed and at a loss yeah. and just so inc- incredibly disconnected that there really isn't, it is, you know, how do you answer that question? Where do you even start? So with those experiences um, and you're assisting advisors at this point, right? Where was, was there one client or was there one person where you were like, you know, you maybe helped a situation and you were like, this is it, this is the career, like I'm running towards it now. (laughs) They were two and they were widows. Um, And I received the most beautiful thank you cards and orchids when I left from them because I literally held their hands. So you've suffered this tragic loss. I'm here for you. Let's work through this. And there was one in particular, I would literally meet with her just about every week for a few weeks until we got everything settled because we just went account by account. To, in order to not overwhelm her. And I just said, listen, yeah. I will continue meeting with you until we get this done. Um, because my, the advisor who I worked with allowed me to just kind of take over. You know, he's like, you can handle this start to finish. Let me know wh- if and how you need me. Um, but I'm going to let you handle this. And that really just showed me how impactful you can be um, in someone's life, right? Like that's something she'll never forget. In fact, still working with widows, it's just one of my favorite things to do um, just because how much they need someone to be there to support them through that process and that journey. Um, And it's just invaluable, the help and the support that you can give. So that is that those two clients in particular, what really launched me into this is what I want to do. Which I think it's, you know, those are the ones that will stick with you forever. It's pretty incredible. So with that, 
kind of catch me up between you're, you're working for advisors, you're starting to think, okay, this is my career path. You get to work with these two widows and, and you probably spend a lot more time with them than what they were expecting or what they were used to, right? Our business is it, it, to handhold like that. It takes a lot of effort and not a lot of people do that anymore. There are some that, that do, but, but, but you really had a different process. So how did you develop a process out of that, um, and, you know, move and kind of to the next steps of your career? Sure. So I really wanted to assume an advisor role at the credit union, um, but the credit union, and most people know credit unions are so small. Um, someone had to die or retire in order for me to get one of those roles. Like it, that's just what it was. Um, and so I was fully aware. Um, and I did apply, you know, for some promotions for, they didn't have a junior broker position, but they had a retirement plan consultant position, which they were focused primarily on four or three Bs going into the schools. But I'm like, okay, you know, that's a stepping stone. And after just being told no enough times, I said, forget this, I'm going to go do this somewhere else. I remember even bringing them, you know, a proposal that was modeled after Raymond James AMP program, their training program. And I'm like, listen, I will help you build this out if I can be the initial junior broker. Like, let me pilot the program, you know, Um, and it just it was a lot of no's until I was on my way out the door. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just I had I had my eyes set on Raymond James and I loved the training program. I loved everything that they offered, the culture. It just made sense. Um, And so I just went for it. It was it was a pretty quick turnaround from me saying, hey, I want to grow and recognizing that was not the place where I was really going to be able to grow in the way that I needed to. And just taking that leap of faith um, and moving over to Raymond James. Kudos to you for recognizing that because too often we hear, you know, a no and a no and a no, or we don't ask, but, but good on you for recognizing that, okay, if this is not going to move forward, I have to move forward and push that into the next direction. And I know that, that not every day has been an easy journey, right? There's always, there's always the days that we have some, sometimes it's the toughest days that really create growth and change in our life. So throughout your journey from moving to the credit union, starting over at Raymond James in the training program to now having opened up your own successful practice that's, you know, actively growing, uh, are there some tough days that that you had and, and do you mind sharing? Absolutely. There are tough days. <laughs> you know, there can be any variety or combination of things going on all at the same time. Um, but one that this really comes to mind um, in particular. I, you know, did a bit of everything when it comes to prospecting when I first started out. Like, you know, I would try it all um, because you, you've got to see what sticks, what works for you, figure out, you know, what type of advisor you want to be. And so I did a lot of trade shows. Um, this one in particular was in like the Sarasota, Bradenton area. Um, and it was dead. I mean, there was no one there. We, as all of the vendors, were just like counting down the hours. So, you know, when we were done, there's just yeah. not a lot of traffic at all. Um, and this one um, attendee in particular, he walked by and he almost like, you know, did a double back. And so I'm like, oh, you know, someone's coming to talk to you. Nobody has walked by in the last 30 minutes. So I'm like, okay, great. And he says, you know, I don't think this is your thing. 
like not even a, hey, how are you doing? We we didn't exchange any words other than, I don't really think this is your thing. And I just kind of said, you know, excuse me, can you clarify that a little bit? A little confused. Um, and he says, you know, I'm sure you're great at a lot of things, but I just, I don't really think this is, this is yours. And I just, I don't even remember, you know, what was their response back. And that was, that was the exchange. And he just, you know, walked away. But from there, it was so motivating just to say, you know, one, you have no idea who I am. You have no idea mm-hmm. who I am or what I'm capable of. And the things that I, you know, have overcome and persevered through. So you, one, you have no idea. And two, watch me. And so it was so motivating to just say, okay, that's your opinion. It's one person's opinion. It won't make me or break me. Um, but I'll show you. Which is just like. Yeah. makes me want to, I don't know, <laughs> get get the boxing gloves out. But this is what I talked about of, you know, why I think I relate with you so much is, is that when people try to tear you down, it just, you know, pushes you to to want to be better and to, I'll show you. And not only will I show you, but I'll trailblaze through and do something in a new way that people aren't doing things. Yeah. So I love that one. I think it is the tough days that really push us through to the next level of who we're going to be yeah. and how we're going to do it. All right, so I want to I want to talk about your recognition this year and um, that investment news. It's in, pretty incredible to be um, recognized nationally, right, as a rising star for excellence in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so, you know, ESG is a buzzword mm-hmm. in our business, right? ESG, um, environmental, social governance, right? It, it, there's sustainability investing, there's all different types of SRA compliance and all these different things, right? It's just constantly evolving, but I think it, it has to be acknowledged and we have to all now define it in a, in a way. That's what has made it hard over the years, I think, is because so many people do see it as uh, subjective, if you will. But you were nationally recognized for this. So I want to know you know, how do you see ESG? What does it mean to you? And diversity and inclusion, right? How do, you, how do you define this? What does it mean to you in our business and in your personal life? Sure. So I think of ESG as investing with impact, right? So, you know, wanting to do good and achieve benefits beyond financial returns. I think one of the, the beautiful things is that clients have realized that they don't necessarily have to sacrifice financial returns to make an impact. Um, and that's, you know, one of the most beautiful things that have come about, you know, this ESG movement. But it's really encouraging just to see the different places and spaces that you can make a difference through investing by investing sustainably. So uh, when I think of ESG, that's what I think of. I think of impact. When I think of diversity and inclusion, so diversity that's measurable. Like you can look in a room and clearly count and see you know, how diverse a room is for the most part. Um, whereas inclusion is more of a mindset. So does everyone feel welcome? Do they feel like they belong there? And then equity. So everyone who's in the room, if it is diverse and we are including them, do they also all have the same opportunities, experiences, and circumstances? And is it fair for everyone that's in the room? So that's how I usually break those three down. And I like that. I think it's so true. I think, it, it, and especially in our business, um, most of companies out there in the last couple of years have, have really adopted 
these phrases, right, and, and initiatives towards diversity and inclusion. But then when you go to employee, employee to employee and say, can you define this? Can you define this? I would say that it would be a, a small amount of people that could define it, especially the way that you just did so eloquently. You know, you're, you're sitting on the, the ESG committee at Raymond James, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that and kind of what your responsibilities are, because as a rising star in the business, I think it's a pretty big deal that you've gotten to a place where you were you know, nominated to be sitting on a, a nationwide committee for the firm. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. It's, it's really nice to be at the forefront of change, of change. So, you know, we've spent a great deal of time bringing on um, ESG money managers onto our platform and, and vetting that out as well as, you know, what do our clients want? So I just recently met with a client and we were really drilling down into diversity and inclusion metrics. Um, And I will say, you know, great client, one of my favorites actually, but, you know, we had a real honest conversation with, you know, what does this even mean? Because Mm -hmm. some of the the metrics just aren't there, right? Like there's not enough reporting around pay equity for some firms. Um, or, you know, how diverse the board is and what are you putting in place to ensure that there will be diversity going forward if it's not present already? You know, aside from proxy voting, what else is being done um, to truly move the firm forward in, you know, or the company forward in the ESG space? So, you know, we really drilled down into that. And so I'm able to go back to the council and just say, hey, of what we see on the platform, these are blind spots, you know, these are gaps. These are areas that we need to do a better job of focusing on. These are what, this is what clients are asking for. Um, And what are we doing in order to give them what they need and what they're asking for and to provide adequate resources and products and services to our clients. Um, So it's really, really nice to be at that forefront and to raise my hand and say, you know, this was the direction that we were going, but maybe we should rethink that and go a different way um, or do something a little bit different because as, you know, boots on the ground, here's what I'm hearing, here's what I've experienced, here's what I know firsthand, um, and maybe we could look at that a little bit differently. So um, it's really, really nice, great group of people to be working with too, but also to know that we're not just talking about it. We're actually taking steps to do something about sustainable investing and making sure that we provide our clients with resources that they're looking for. And I think that leads into my next question of from your vantage point, how do we go from being reactive to proactive? Uh, Because it sounds like you're being a part of that proactive change. So, you know, what kind of advice would you have for others out there that just really don't know how to think about this yet. Yeah. It, you know, it's so funny. So we went to get our marriage license. There were native Spanish speakers applying next to us. And even though they were utilizing the form um, that was in Spanish, it still didn't readily make sense. Some of the you know points or the questions that they were asking, it just, it didn't translate well. And you could tell. So luckily my fiance speaks Spanish. So he was able to translate um, quite a bit for them. And so I think of things differently now with that in mind that I probably wouldn't think about before. But I said to him, I said, you know, this is really why diversity and inclusion is so important in a business, you know, workplace anywhere, but especially in a workplace. Because I said, 
How many people do you think looked at this form and made sure that it made sense for everyone, right? Like, did they run this form by someone who was not a native English speaker to say, does it make sense, right? Some of those points, do they translate well? Do they make sense? And I think it's the same thing on a broader spectrum to just say, who's in the room who's making these decisions and do they have the perspective that's needed um, to ensure that you can avoid some of these missteps and that you can see some of those blind spots. So I think part of you know being proactive is recognizing who's making the decisions around that and do you have diversity of thought in the decision-making process. Yeah, so much of, of what people think is based on experiences, right? The way they were raised, the family dynamic, yeah. the value set, um, really being able to step outside of your own personal experiences, right? And have the empathy to to expand your lens, I think is so important. So it's a really good point. I love to celebrate women in the business, right? I think we all know that. Um, but especially women who have carved their own path. And if people listening haven't figured out that you've definitely done that by now, this story will definitely really help them understand you a little bit better. Everybody's got a different way of building their their business and you didn't listen to what people told you. So I, I want you to share, if you will, um, you know, we talked about one of the tough days that you had that really pushed you. But along the way, there were things that people said to you that, that you didn't listen to, right? Don't do, don't run your business this way. Don't do pro bono advice. If you do pro bono advice, people are never going to give you the business that you need in order to make money in this business, right? But we both know that that money is not a motivator um, for you and never has been. So um, unpack that a little bit, if you will, for those listening and then eventually get to York and Clark. Oh, I love that. So that's such an important part of my journey as well um, and why I really, really loved um, that Investment News Award because it spoke to exactly what you just explained and me really taking the time to build the business in the way in which I wanted to build it and just quite frankly not listening to the, the unsolicited advice that I was getting. Um, one of those things, so when you talk about, I had a second story for like a challenging day. So this was my second story, so I'll share it. Um, someone in the business actually told me that I would have a difficult time building my practice and getting clients to give me money if I wore my hair in its natural state. So um, it was very shocking too. I just, I, I wouldn't have expected it from the source that it came from. Um, but it really annoyed me because, you know, I had to sit with that and decide, am I going to be a dialed back version of myself um, or shrink myself to make the people around me feel more comfortable, quote unquote, or am I going to be 100% myself and show up exactly as I am um, and be proud of who I am in the business that I build through that authenticity, right? So obviously I, I chose the latter. So that was, you know, that was another milestone for me where I just really decided I'm going to do whatever I want to do and I'm going to build my practice in that way and let's just watch it work. Um, social media was another part of that and that, you know, I was discouraged from spending time on social media. But again, I've got this communications and public relations background. That's what I know how to do. I know how to communicate with an audience through social media and use that to promote financial literacy. And I've been doing that, you know, every month I've had a focus since 2018 
um, and I haven't missed, you know, haven't missed a month. And people look to that. You know, they know that you can come to me as a source of financial education consistently uh, month over month. And so I think it was really exciting for me that Investment News um, celebrated that and honored that and awarded that. Um, and that, you know, someone found that to be noteworthy and important and because it's important to me. So that was really, really great for me um, and a significant part of the journey. And then partnering came somewhere in there and that I found someone who didn't want to change me. Right. So we had a lot of similarities um, Jody too worked with quite a bit of women and understood my passion for helping women become the CFO of their finances. Um, and so he did quite a bit of that too, but we also started networking in the same places and spaces. And I think what I enjoyed most because the business can be a little territorial, right? So, you know, you walk into an event, someone else is there, you know, it can be an issue, but he was just never like that. Right. He always was very encouraging and was like, do your thing, you know, do your thing, kill it. You got this. And I think that made all the difference for me because I hadn't experienced that from others in the business. And he was just very different and very gritty. I'm gritty too. And so it just made a whole lot of sense where one plus one could equal three because I wasn't rushing to partner, right? It's not something that I felt like I needed to do. I was always open to doing it, but it had to make sense. And uh, partnering with Jody just made sense. Yeah. When you let life happen and you go, about it. It's your own authentic self. Don't let people tear you down. Go away from those people and find the people like, you know, let those people gravitate towards you based on how you're coming off in the work in the work that you're doing. And I just admire you so much because I know that, you know, doing pro bono work and giving out financial advice for free is frowned upon in our business sometimes. And in fact, you use that to build awareness of, of your name and build your brand that, you know, this is who I am. This is what I have to offer. And this is what you need to know in order to, to be successful, right? With your, with your finances. Um, so let's talk about, about your business. Yeah. Um, what's your ideal client? Uh, and I know you've got a pretty unique onboarding process with clients. So who, who, you know, who's a good fit for, for Camille? Yeah. Um, so what I call women primary decision makers. So it can be women who are married, single, you know, suddenly single, whatever that, you know, makeup looks like, but women who are, you know, actively engaged and taking an interest in their finances. So, you know, not someone that necessarily has all their ducks in a row and, you know, is getting it all right, but someone who wants to, um, create that financial plan to um, stick to the financial plan and to learn. My favorite conversations are when clients are asking me questions. What does this mean, Camille? Why is this important to me? Why should I care? Um, and I don't know that you'll find that often that advisors truly enjoy questions, but I do um, because I want my clients to be educated and informed. I want them to be empowered. I want them to know what we're doing and why we're making that decision. So when I have a review and a client, you know, something that happened in the market or, um, you know, in the world around us and they they connect that to their portfolio and why we've made decisions like that is such a win for me. That is such a win that they get it right. That those aren't just numbers. It's not just holdings that they understand one big picture, but two, how it directly relates to them. 
Um, and those are those are my favorite days. Those are literally my favorite days. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I say women who are the primary decision makers um, are typically uh, my target audience and who I work with the most. When you think about ideal client, um, middle age, you know, and about forty between forty and fifty, but are coachable is really key. You you got to be open to taking advice. Um, implementing the advice and sticking to the plan. The plan doesn't work unless you um, adhere to what we've put together. So that's really important for me. And, I, you know, obviously it's a process that you work through together, right? So Camille does not come and say, this is what I think, this is what we're going to do, and that's it. Um, you know, we, we work on it together. It's done collaboratively, but it only works if you allow it to. Yeah. So somebody that wanted to just say, you do everything. I don't want to be involved. Probably not your ideal client. No, it's tough. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It's really tough for us. Yeah. But I love that because, you know, I think if you've got an engaged client, right, that's going to be a better relationship for the the long term versus just being disengaged. And then all of a sudden a market event happens and now somebody's engaged, but you know, hasn't looked at anything yeah. for a long time. So that it, it's almost like you have to unravel that yeah. instead of really starting at the beginning. So we talked a little bit about the younger female earlier too, and, and, you know, really trying to educate women in their twenties. Um, I know that a lot in my generation and the generation behind us have adopted a lifestyle of living above their means. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that I think can be attributed to social media. So if you're looking at a young female right now, um, what advice do you have when to start saving, how to really balance that living above your means? If you think of a launch point, right, for accumulation. Yeah, I think... You know, there's so much, like you said, social media can be so overwhelming. Um, you know, it's great when it's great, but it can be so overwhelming just because there are so many sources of information and it's really hard to figure out what makes sense for you, um, what's factual and what's made up, what's opinion, all of that. But I think just getting back to the basics, like you'd be surprised just how much a budget can be helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, with with most clients, a lot of times that's where we start, especially with my younger accumulators. That's part of the process is that I give them a worksheet and they write down all of their expenses and income. And that is always a very eye-opening exercise to say, whoa, I had no idea we were spending so much money doing X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, it starts to be on autopilot. As much as you can automate your savings is so beneficial. I can't tell you how many clients don't realize just how much they've accumulated and saved by putting things on autopilot. And it can be, you know, a nominal amount until you start becoming comfortable with the process and understand what that looks like. But automating your savings is huge Um, and taking advantage of just the opportunities and resources that you have. So if you, you know, fresh out of college, you have a 401k, figure out what your company is matching, make sure that you're not leaving money on the table. You know, I often hear uh, 401k matches referred to as free money. And so I'm like, but it's not even that. It's really part of your sign-on package, right? So like nobody gives vacation days back. No one says, you gave me two weeks of vacation, but you know, mm, I only need a week. You can have that back. No, so why would you not take full advantage of the match? Like that's exactly how I think of it. I'm like, no, that is, those are part of your benefits. Like don't leave those on the table. You need those. Yeah. Just get the full match. (laughs) Just get the full match. Put the money away, automate your savings. And you'd be surprised just how much those basic fundamental things will set you up um, for the later stages of life. 
I also too encourage an auto escalation because, you know, the more that there's raises that come along the way, maybe they may be big, they may be small, but if you auto escalate and what you're putting away and deferring in your 401k, you learn to live without that money. Right. And I think if you, you do that from the beginning, as you said, you know, automate your savings, then it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. So yeah, I think it's, it's such a good point that you make. Two things that you just reminded me of. So one, um, one of my favorite clients, I love, I love all my clients, but (laughs) she, uh, she always asks, what question am I not asking? And I think that is such mm-hmm. a strong question because it prompts me to think, you know, you're right. We haven't talked about this. You'll probably want to know this. So if you don't know what question to ask, what question am I not asking? You know, what do yeah. most people ask when we're going over this? Like, that is just such a strong question. What question am I not asking? Um, mm-hmm. But also when I first started my job, sitting down with the financial representatives that we had on hand is how I bought my house. Literally, I sat down with them wow. in January, February, I think. My lease was, you know, about to come up. He's like, you're well positioned to buy a house. Have you thought about it? There's an amazing first time home buyer um, down payment assistance program that I had no idea mm-hmm. about because I wasn't in the market of buying a house. And I closed in April. Literally, that would have never happened had I not sat down with the resources available. So it's so key that you take advantage of everything that you have um, that's available to you so that you can move yourself forward financially because the resources are there. Yeah. Just got to find them. So to wrap us up today, I'm going to throw your client's favorite question back at you. What am I not asking you that I should be? <laughs> um, I would say something that most people don't know. That's what I'll say. Well, something that most people don't know is that I was extremely shy as a child. So I always say strength is on the other side of fear because to build a practice based on giving workshops and presentations and public speaking and getting on this podcast and all of the things, right? Um, I was so afraid of talking to people. I would wear sunglasses all that. People thought I was just a little diva as a child, but my mom would put sunglasses on so that I people weren't directly looking at me or else I would be in sheer terror and scream. So oh my gosh. being as social as I am now and being in a business of you know, meeting with clients one-on-one and building those relationships and stuff, it is such a 180 for me as a child um, because that I just did not enjoy interacting with people or talking to people or any of that. <laughs> That's so crazy. I never would have guessed that. All right. So I always end my interviews with a fun lightning round of questions and you can feel free to throw some back at me after, but uncovering some more things about you that people don't know. So texting or talking? Texting. Oh, wouldn't have guessed that. that. Uh, Favorite holiday? Fourth of July. Mm, Same. Last song you listened to? I'm going to make you my wife. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> all right. And last one, favorite childhood show? Ew. Gullah Gullah Island. Oh, great one. <laughs> I, loved it. I loved that show too. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, anything you have for me? Sweet or sour? Sweet. Sweet. Beach or mountains? Combination, but probably beach. Okay. Pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie? Mm, neither. Don't like pies. Me neither, my girl. (laughs) (laughs) Don't eat pies. Nope. Okay, ham or turkey? Oh, turkey. Okay. Yeah. 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 But I don't really, it's like the only thing I eat at Thanksgiving is turkey. I don't don't like Thanksgiving food, so I get a lot of flack for that, but... All right. Well, thank you, Camille, for spending some time with us on the Invested in Connecting Women podcast today. I love your story. I love that you are paving a way 
just by being you and by doing things differently. And I love that you are representing what diversity and inclusion means for this business and that you are trying to open it up for young girls to come into this business. And I think um, there's a lot to come for you. So I'm excited to follow your journey as you continue on. And thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Until next time, I'm Olivia Hales, and this is Invested in Connecting Women. The opinions and views expressed are as of the date published and are subject to change. They are for information purposes only, and should not be used or construed as an offer to sell, a solicitation of an offer to buy, or a recommendation to buy, sell or hold, any security, investment strategy, or market sector. No forecasts can be guaranteed. Opinions and examples are meant as an illustration of broader themes, are not an indication of trading intent, and may not reflect the views of others in the organization. It is not intended to indicate or imply, that any illustration or example mentioned is now, or was ever held in any portfolio. Janus Henderson Group PLC, through its subsidiaries, may manage investment products with a financial interest in securities mentioned herein, and any comments should not be construed as a reflection on the past or future profitability. There is no guarantee that the information supplied is accurate, complete, or timely, nor are there any warranties with regards to the results obtained from its use. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principle and fluctuation of value. Environmental, social and governance, ESG, or sustainable investing considers factors beyond traditional financial analysis. This may limit available investments, and cause performance and exposures to differ from, and potentially be more concentrated in certain areas, than the broader market. A retirement account should be considered a long-term investment. Retirement accounts generally have expenses and account fees, which may impact the value of the account. Non-qualified withdrawals may be subject to taxes and penalties. For more detailed information about taxes, consult a tax attorney or accountant for advice. Use of third-party names, marks, or logos, is purely for illustrative purposes and does not imply any association between any third-party and Janice Henderson investors, nor any endorsement or recommendation, by, or of, any third-party. Unless stated otherwise, trademarks are the exclusive property of their respective owners. Knowledge Labs programs are for information purposes only. There is no guarantee that the information supplied is accurate, complete or timely, nor is there any warranty with regards to the results obtained from its use. Janice Henderson, Knowledge Labs, and Knowledge Shared, are trademarks of Janice Henderson Group PLC or one of its subsidiaries. Copyright Janice Henderson Group PLC. C0322-42403. 03, 30, 24.